Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Game of Champions 4, the Team Endpoints podcast. I know I've taken off the cap. The hair looks ridiculous. I've got a haircut next month, but I won't talk about it much more because there's some people here with much better haircuts than me. Um, uh, joining me to start with is uh, Venga here. We've got a couple of Maestro boys, but Venga, how's it going? Doing good. How are you? Yeah, absolutely excellent. I can't wait to get chatting with you guys. Joining him, of course, is the other maestro boy. It is Razy. How goes it, sir? Hello. And uh, as usual, my partner in crime, it is Avic. What's up? Well, all going all, all going good. I just wanted to mention that you should stop uh, introducing me as a guest because I guess like I'm on every single podcast. I even planned so, it and I'll, I'll... I forgot. <laughs> Now I think I should be your co-host or something like this. You know, I the proportions proportions should change slowly. We'll so I should ask more questions and then more. And then eventually I'm going to get rid of you. going to get rid of you as a main host. I'm a bit of a control great. freak, dude. I'm just going to scare me. All right, all right. Do you want me to? Do you want me to? Okay, anyway, so break this barrier. Let's, let's break this barrier now, Evek. Do you want to start? Do you want to begin everything? I already began. To begin it. <laughs> no, begin no, it no, even no, harder. Let's okay. not make fools out of ourselves. So <laughs> continue. Let's continue. All right, I'll start it because I'm the bloody host here. So um, I'm going to begin with, I mean, I think we've, there's some stories here that people are familiar with, but I think this is a really good recap. Um, we've got a couple of newer players here in Maestro Gaming. Um, let's start with Venga um, and talk a little bit about how you got yourself uh, into Quake because you are, despite having played the game a while, you are a more fresh face than this old person, Avec, for instance. Yeah, I mean, the story is really fun, because before playing Quake Live, I was playing another FPS, which was called Serious Sam, and then I made the switch. And basically, like, when I made the switch, it's because I watched a frag movie from Cypher, actually. So that's the funny part about it. So I think I watched a frag movie, and then I just, wow, this game is really cool. Let's play Quake Live. And then, like, uh, I stopped for a while, because I had a few troubles at school. And, like, until, like, late 2017, I didn't even know Quake Champions was out. But I was like freehanded with clothes and I saw him winning the tournament. It was like, whoa, it is a new quick game. Let's go for it. <laughs> That's easy. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. He didn't tell you until he, after he won the tournament, though, just to make sure he kind of like was just getting rid of that competition. It has smart move. <laughs> I didn't know Claus had it in him. Uh, Razy, tell us a little bit about uh, how you got into Quake. Uh, I first played Quake 3 Arena when I was uh, like around three to five. But then, uh, you know, that was just to try out the game. So I, I got familiar with how the weapons work, how the weapon switching works, how uh, like the game is, you know. And uh, but later on, I uh, I was playing CS competitively for a few years, uh, and then Quake Live came out in the web browser, and then later I sw it switched to QL Prism, I think it was called the launcher for Quake Live, and I played it on a hobby level for a while, but never competitively. And I was all right, but I wasn't that good, you know, like compared to the pros, I was a no one. Uh, but I loved the game and I enjoyed playing it, especially, you know, after putting so much time and effort into CS, but not ending up being su successful in it. Uh, it was nice to chill in Quake. And then when Quake Champions came out, I was obviously interested and I tried it out. I started playing, I started playing duels. Back then it was unranked and I got randomly matched up against whomever. But I got matched up against quite decent people, and I did well. And that kind of motivated me into trying myself out in Quake uh, competitively. And then I did. I started attending like 125 FPS Cups, and then there were like 
Battle 5 Cups and some other tournaments going on. Uh, and I tried myself out and I had some nice placements, some good results against really good players. And I decided I'm going to start competing in Quake. And at that time, they announced that there's going to be the online qualifiers for Quake on 2017. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, as I was competing in CS but not being successful, I decided I'm going to try myself at this uh, qualifier for the World Championship in Quake. And I decided if I qualify, I'm going to leave CS behind. If I can't qualify, then it's just going to uh, remain a hobby quick and then focus on CS. But I did qualify, so I left CS behind and I never looked back since. Fair play, fair play. I, I mean, Venga, you actually mentioned that part of the reason you started playing quick was because you uh, were watching Cypher movies and stuff. You're almost like inspired by a player to start playing. Razy, when, when you got into Quake, was it more because you just kind of stumbled? You played Quake 3 when you were really young. Did you stumble across Quake Live or did some something trigger the memory of Quake for you to start again? Uh, I have regularly watched all kinds of Quake movies, whether it was like uh, from Quake 3 Arena or even Defrag movies I really like. Um, also Quake Live movies or player-oriented movies from like certain events and stuff like that. I've seen all the the most famous ones and I was a fan, of course. I really liked all of them. And, you know, when you when you play the game yourself and then you watch a movie like that, like a frag movie of Cypher, for example, or any other pro, and then you see how much better they are at the game, you're like, holy hell, holy hell, I want to be like that. And that kind of motivates you in a way. Either that or you're going to be like, okay, I give up. But, <laughs> but I got motivated and they pushed me forward and I, and I tried my best. Yeah. And as soon as I started improving more and more and more, uh, I realized that maybe I can be one of those guys in those movies eventually. Fair play, fair play. I mean, this is going to be a question I'll pretty much ask all of you, but Avec, um, of course, within the span of your career, these guys are, are fairly uh, new, as I've already mentioned. At what point did you start becoming aware of their presence in the scene and that and then at what point do you think, okay, these guys are actually really like competitors now? Well, because um, they both started pretty late on Quick Life. Later on, I found out that Razy used to play Quick Life. I didn't know that Fenger actually played uh, Quick Life before. Um, I basically uh, met them first time. I met Razy first time on on the uh, World Championship in 2017 on QuakeCon. Uh, and then later on, I found out he used to play uh, Quake, and I knew he's gonna be really good because he already uh, made great result on uh, QuakeCon. And then uh, a lot of people actually asked me about him. Like, um, quite a couple of organizations uh, reached to me to to ask about him, and I remember even I spoke with him about it. That was our first uh, subject, basically, on QuakeCon. I asked him if he wants to go pro and if uh, he needs an uh, organization to, to support him. I don't know if he remembers that, but I think that was one of our first talks. And then, uh, obviously, I met uh, Wenger. I also spoke with him a bit on Discord, I remember, because I found out that he's playing really good and he has big potential. And uh, basically, I never heard about them in Quick Life because, like, when they were playing, I already stopped playing Quick Life. I played competitively Quick Life till, like, let's say 2013, 14, maybe, like one of the 
last Dreamhacks was my last event. And then I basically stopped playing and uh, then I started with Overwatch already in 2015. So I didn't know what's going on later on in the scene, but as guys said, they they didn't uh, treat the Quake Life uh, series. So I guess they never went to any LANs or like tournaments back then. So basically beginning of Quake Champions, we, we all met. And was I mean, it was pretty immediately apparent with Razy because he had his famous game versus Rafa where he choked in the last seven seconds, I think Thank it was. Yeah, yeah, of course, and I will always I remember, bring it up. I remember the game, yeah. Yeah, and um, <laughs> um, for Wenger, it was a bit later on, though. Did, did you say you, you didn't know Wenger from Quake Champions? What, what Actually, what was Wenger's first event was DreamHack Tours, I think. Was it there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or did you you knew about him online? Surely, actually. I'm yeah, that's what about. I said. I, yeah, I yeah. knew him from Quake Champions. I didn't know him from Quake Live because yeah. at that moment when he started, I stopped playing. Basically, mm. I found uh, found out about him online because he started to play online and he sta- started to show off like online uh, how good he is. And then first time when we met, I guess I have no clue actually when we met first time. Maybe in Italy on ESL or like. Uh, during Dream oh, Tours later on. We, we met in Dream Tours, yeah. Yeah, I or remember. Dream Tours first time, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, I, I remember actually a funny story about that. I think like Xoran, because I was talking to him daily, basically back then, and he was like, you know, there is Savek that maybe wants to practice with you because you think you are actually, you're okay. I was like, oh my god, Tavek wants to play with me. And back then I, I was, oh, whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah, later on he told me about it, and that's how we started to exchange uh, messages on Discord. <laughs> um, Wenger, what what point did you start becoming familiar with both uh, Avek and and Razy? Well, obviously Avek, I was watching him playing in the tournaments in the past, like just from bots, uh, so mm-hmm. I knew him already for a long time. Razy only like until I new quick champions like when we started playing against each other online pretty much so and i'm the I... i'm the only one here who knows razy from quake live is that is that that's a bit odd because <laughs> he was he was haunting me in that bloody game he was haunting a lot of people including the likes of faz and so on sorry anyway Vengar, was, was, was his uh, nickname razy back then it Did was razy razy backwards I had a few different ones because I originally didn't play under my own account because I I didn't have a bank account or whatever to pay the fee to play the game like Mm -hmm. uh, on a premium account. Uh, So I was playing on on my friend's account. He was called Medve. Uh, I played under that Mm -hmm. for a while. And then eventually I played under Razy or backwards is like EZR or whatever, you know, Razy backwards. But uh, you you use this nickname in Quake Champions as well in the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah, before Ray, before I got, yeah, before I got signed for for Maestro because Razy was already taken somehow. Anyway, okay. but like as I said, I never went big. I only played on public servers. So if you never played like out of like scheduled practice against pros, we wouldn't have met me anyway. Uh, everyone thought Razy was a cheater in Quake Live as well. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did. I, I was I, one of those I people. I haven't heard this one. I haven't heard yeah. this one. Because it's just this guy who you've never heard of, and he's better than most of the people you would ever meet regularly. Like, I remember seeing like Kron and people like that. I'd play versus that. I'd play versus ZSX regularly when he was still like pretty decent. He's okay now, but you know, kind of crap. <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, and Razor was just way better than these guys. I was like, you've got to be a fake Nick or you've got to be a cheater. And uh, I, I was maybe very cruel, harsh of me to think that way, but I think that's it was, the mentality. 
I think it was pretty much the same situation with strengths back then, because strengths appeared in Quake scene around 2008, 9, something like this, pretty late compared to other players. And uh, the whole like French scene uh, thought that he's a, sh uh, a cheater. I don't know. Have you heard about it, Zoot? Everyone uh, yeah. crashed out him. Everybody and there's still videos going around yeah, still like videos. analyzing. And then he went to his fourth run, like ESWC uh, French edition, where he like stomped basically every French player and then he shut their mouth forever. He got respect. He got the respect yep. before he lost it in about 2016. <laughs> I don't know when. Um, <laughs> sorry, Venga, I rudely interrupted you to begin with. Do you remember your train of thought at all? Um, you, you were still talking about um, where you met Razy, I think. Yeah, I, mean, I met him in online cups where I had a long history with him. <laughs> um, I think I lost like 17 times in a row or something like that. Yeah, um, that was a lot. I, did I... <laughs> Did I cover the first time you beat him? Or flee it? Yeah, you did. I, I think I, you I actually did. missed out on the first time I lost against Wenger. And I, I did. About yeah, it was. I was legitimately <laughs> mad. It was this record. I was like, well, come on. You can at least win against him a few more times before uh, I get the chance. And I'd cast yeah. like every single cup as well. Like, every, I was I celebrating miss one. like a uh, world champion. I was celebrating. Exactly. Exactly. And this next question is... Um, I mean, you've talked about it. I think I've talked about it with you in the past, Wenger, but it's it's something that's quite cool. Because um, the question is about whether there's any pros that you looked up to when learning Quake. And um, you've been you've said before, Wenger, that Cypher was definitely someone you've looked up to. You even said already you were watching Cypher VODs. Um, is this someone who continued to like guide you, even though he wasn't like actually mentoring you? Did he guide you in how you wanted to learn Quake or what you wanted your style to look like? Well, I, I speak a bit with uh, Cypher in the past, uh, nothing really like uh, about like coaching or some stuff like that. I think the guy I played with the most is actually Kilsen, like from 2018. But like, I mean, I, I mean, before you even became a pro, before oh, anything uh, like that. So like when, when you were just in casual service in Quake Live, after you'd watched the Cypher VODs, is this someone who influenced the way you would play or oh. was it more just general fanboy stuff like... Like I, I, think he, I actually think yes. It, it was a mix between actually Cypher and Sermi. So I really liked the way Cypher was playing, but I also was Rail AV only, basically. <laughs> I was just going for Rail all the time. So but yeah, I, by playing, I just improved like that. But for sure, yeah. Just because the way Cypher was playing Quake Live was amazing. The way but, he was controlling the games and so on. And does it feel weird playing against him now in Quake Pro League and you know, well before Quake Pro League now, like a couple of years before? Is it just a bit unusual? Even well, with the was, others, the other pros. It was weird, of course. Just because he's the guy that actually like inspired you to play, and then mm. you play against him. But then with just the time going, you just get used to it. And yeah, you try did to you feel, him. Do you feel <laughs> extra pressure from that? Or does it help you play versus someone like this? Or do you feel like you kind of needed to get used to the feeling before you could play your best versus someone who has that kind of presence in your in your mind or your nostalgia? Well, yeah, I think that I think it's a common mistake that new players do. It's maybe sometimes respecting way too much the name of the guy you are playing, and uh, I think it's something that happened to me too. And I'm trying, I try to fix, and I actually got rid of it. But in the past, it was a bit hard when, like, I was I was just thinking in my mind, like, man, this guy is cipher kills, and how can I even win? But now nowadays, it's okay. 
I think it's gone pretty fast because it's it's for everyone. It's not only for newcomers. Like I'm already so long in the scene, but still I remember my first time when I played Cooler, like in practice game. Even in practice mm -hmm. game, I was like, uh, I was uh, stressed, I was amazed, and uh, I had uh, different kind of feelings, you know. And then when I started to compete with him on LANs, it's all disappeared basically, like pretty fast. So they already playing three or four years competitively. So you know, I think there is no no such feelings for for them anymore. Yeah. Did you, apart from me, Razy, is there any other players that you looked up to when learning Quake? Never looked up to you, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. Something you in club games. Um, to be completely honest, uh, I think I was a fanboy of Strengths. Uh, I, I, was, I was admittedly a fanboy. Of, I I will stand here now. My name is oh Xavier Dawn, do and Don't I do was Don't do it, please. <laughs> I was a fan of Strengths. I, I wouldn't like normally I wouldn't really be like a fanboy, but uh, I really liked how Strengths was like really like aim heavy. Like it was just really nice to watch, like how nowadays people watch talks, for example. Um, and other than Strengths, I mean, I like the like the pros, like all of them for different reasons, you know, like everyone had like such a unique style that even as a, someone who doesn't compete, like I didn't used to compete back then, I could like differentiate between like, this guy's playing like this and that's why it's awesome. That guy's playing a little bit differently, but it's still awesome, you know? And everyone had their own style and I just liked watching it. So, but like looking up to people, it was like strengths, one of the, the people that I really enjoyed watching and I rooted for. It's very interesting that Razy said that it's strengths because I think they have a lot of in common. I mean, really? when he was starting to play, he the, the best person he could look up to was actually Strengths because Rezi has to approach Quake in a similar way because of, of his like uh, mouse settings. Like, you know, when you're playing on really low sense in Quake, you actually need to approach Quake a little bit differently because you you can't lose track of your opponent. You can't uh, let him disappear from your like uh, uh, your sounds or your like uh, awareness of the map because then you are basically losing the whole fight, right? So you you uh, straight away need to picture uh, yourself how the fight gonna look uh, before it's, uh, it actually happens because of your mouse settings. And I think Strengths was perfect example. He always had to take a position which, uh, which uh, favored him and he would uh, never uh, let you surprise him. Mm. I think it's pretty interesting and I think it was a great so, choice to, to, to look up to someone if to anyone. So I was also told by many people in the beginning of Quake Champions as a as a newcomer. I was told that uh, I'm too aim aim heavy and uh, and a brain dead. So I've tried to work on that part a little bit since then. Hope it. A lot, lot of people get that feedback though. I feel <laughs> like because there's been a lot of young players who are mechanically very strong and. Um, I, I think maybe it's like a um, a react like an automatic reaction we have when someone's starting to do really well. It's like criticism. This might not even be the right criticism. But, uh, but so really when, I, when I run into people with aim like that are aim heavy, uh, I I notice that they especially try to play that way because that's what works against me for them. And so like normally they might be like a little bit slower play, play style wise or a little bit more calculated, but because maybe that's why like if they approach me like that, I can counter them better. But if they try to out aim me and it works, they will try to out aim me even more. And that's why maybe it comes across as a uh, aim heavy brain dead play style. And also maybe pride. Some people can't really take it, you know, when they lose against newcomers. 
even I, I have difficulties and I'm a newcomer. I have difficulties playing against aim heavy people that uh, beat me in ranked, but meanwhile they are like not even playing the challenger league or whatever. Does that make you angry? Get your feelings out if you want. <laughs> it makes me angry and I've, I've never really competed. It's frustrating, but I'm a fairly calm person, so it's fine. You, are. you really are. Avik, I want you to talk a bit more about actually the um, play styles that Razi and Wenger have um, and maybe their sim sort of similarities uh, and how you feel when you go up against them. Because I personally see that in some ways, and I'd say more so Razi, only because of his peculiarities and like he'll, the way that he'll suddenly like stop doing anything. Um, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Tell me, tell me, Avik, about your kind of experiences playing these guys and how, how you see their style, and I, then I'll ask them how they define themselves. Well, they are both completely different, I would say. Wenger, Wenger is interesting guy. I think he he actually changed his style a little bit uh, throughout the years, maybe last year or last two. I think in the beginning he was trying to play very aggressive and. It didn't remind me Stermi at all, as he said in the beginning that he looked up a little bit to Stermi to be rail heavy. It it looked like he is more like um, he he favors uh, like close close range combats and and things like this, you know. So he was very unexpected and he was very fast, and he was doing a lot of like creative things. Now he slowed down. I feel I feel like he slowed down a little bit, and he you you have similarities with Kilsen, for example. Kilsen can stand on the map for two minutes on, in the middle of the map. Listen, he never like um, give you sound cues like unnecessary, so he will always make sure that you don't really know what he's doing. And I think, I think Wenger is like a little bit smaller copy of Kilsen now. Somehow, <laughs> it's it's my feeling right now. And Rezi, as he said, that he has maybe difficulties against people who aim well against him. I think uh, what I think. Um, is the biggest mistake when you approach uh, Razi, as he said himself, is when you're playing too slow and giving too much space. So I would say it's like, um, on the contrary, I would say that you have to play actually pretty fast and fight for every item. Then, then is the way, the good way to play against Razi. Not maybe necessary to. Of course, you need to hit your default shots like like as a pro, right? As a pro, you need to hit decent because otherwise, if you don't have aim you are unable to win any tournament, right? Because you need to be decent with all the weapons and you need to hit. So of course, if you're hitting your shots and you're not doing mistakes, and on the top of that, you're trying to put pressure all the time, put pressure, put pressure, and and, and go for items and things like this, then maybe it's the, the right way to play, play against him. But you also need to feel comfortable. You need to be on top of your shape. Because if you're out of shape and you are shaky and you are just rushing item and then you can't hit shit, and then, you, you know, it's it's not going to work like this, right? So if somebody is in top shape, I would suggest, like, making pressure on every single item and in between items. And maybe that that's what will work. Hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm curious how his games went against, for example, what's his record against Kilsen? Because I can't uh, right now um, remind myself his matches. But I would say that maybe it should be in favor of Razi actually. Mm. Against such player. On events, I think I mostly won against him. Online, I think he wins more. Yeah, but let's say online. I think yeah, that, that's the that's when you 
truly on tournaments or finals on LAN, that's when truly your personality in Quake comes out, you know? If somebody is by, by their like personality, uh, he, he's gonna try to play defensive, it's gonna show off even more on, on an important match, right? So yeah, this is what I'm saying. I think such player like uh, Kilsen is in uh, is uh, the the matchup is always in favor of of Razi. and I would say that. Uh... Watch me fail this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> True, that's who you got. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're playing him. Yeah, so we're gonna jinx it, and now we're gonna lose. Well, up until the end of 2018, um, Razi had only lost once to Kilsen on LAN. I think that's all the stats I have right now. Yeah, but, um, so this is what I'm saying. This this is how it looks in my mind. You know, if you yeah. put like a more aggressive player in shape, I think then when when Razi would struggle, and especially on small maps, I think, mm, mm. like Veil, for example, like aggressive player who approach every single item on Veil might be problematic for Razi. I want to I, I want to I I wanna talk a bit more about Razi's style though, because he to me he's almost more vividly changed than wenger just because it feels he's got built a lot of confidence um over the last probably year i'd say year to year and a half um you suddenly it, it almost looks like you're this kind of superhero who's built the capabilities to sort of bend time because you, you'll suddenly just stop dead on a map you'll do like a really crazy trap of some sort or it, it's like you've got such insight into where your opponent's going to go next that you don't mind dropping two rotations of major items because you know it's about not getting killed in that situation. So you're just going to not be seen or you're going to do something really weird that's just out of the ordinary. Do, do you know what I'm saying, Razy? Or am I like talking absolute madness? Kind, kind of, yes. Sometimes it's uh, it comes naturally. Like I have a feel for it that, you know, uh, I feel like in, like in a certain situation, it is better for me not to give up, a, to give up an item, but be in a better position and i don't mind that some people tend to be too focused on on items and that sometimes that costs them but uh, it is also good to sometimes just give up the item be in the superior position and then later it will turn in your favor but back to your like what you were talking about earlier like how much i've changed my play style well as i said in the beginning of quick champions uh, i was more aggressive i was running around more and I was uh, more com combat heavy rather than like a slow um, tactical playstyle. But then again, Quick also changed a lot, and we also had to adapt to it. Every single change, every single uh, time they maybe like introduced a new champion, or they changed how effective certain weapons are. So that also you know plays in because as soon as they nerfed the LG for uh, Dreamhack Denver everyone had to adapt and uh, they had to use more rockets, more shotgun, maybe railgun, stuff like that, you know. Also, same for the champions, when they when they changed how certain champions work, like hitbox size or, or uh, how effective their ability is, stuff like that, everyone had to adapt. And uh, because I grind the game so much compared to most other pros, there's only like a handful of people who play the game as much as I do. Uh, so because of that, I was very familiar with these changes and it was easy for me to adapt because I kept playing, I kept experimenting, I kept uh, getting used to things and I figured out what is comfortable for me. Uh, meanwhile, other people who played the game less, they had to, they, they maybe were like not so comfortable with the changes and it took them longer to, to switch it up, to, to improve or, or, uh, or adapt. 
I also play a very weird champion pool compared to most other pros. Uh, and that also plays in, in this factor. Cause like if I play clutch, even if I know the item timing, even if uh, I have a stack, even if uh, I have a good position, but I don't have my ability ready, I can't alone allow myself to push for the item just because my ability is not ready. And I know that I'm gonna die if I try to do that. Mm -hmm. Or even if I try to push in and I end up surviving, I'm gonna be so low on health that the next like two minutes I'm gonna spend on restacking instead of control, even though I got the kill in the end. So it's it changes your play style and it depends on what champion you play. So not just necessarily your basic game style, but also what kind of champion you play. It it manipulates your your decision making. It's very interesting what you said, Zut, because you said that um Rezi is kind of the guy who who's never gonna even if he's out of control, he'll try to get out of this situation without losing many frags, right? Mm. You know, I think, um, and this is also interesting what he said, because he said that he's grinding the, the game the most. And I think the most important time was when they were switching from like, um, uh, from uh, round limit to the time limit. We had this show match, right, between uh, Wenger and uh, Razi, which Maestro organized in London or somewhere else in England. Yeah, I think. correct. Um, so it means they were practicing straight away as they uh, announced the time limit, right? And they were grinding more. And this is what I see in uh, in correlation between what you said and he said, because uh, you know when there was a round limit, like everybody valued the, the life so much that uh, they rather like skip items and survive than try to risk to go somewhere and die, you know, because you had only three lives. So basically every single frag, you had three frags in a game, every single frag you were trying to not die and to survive no matter what, giving out control, hiding, running away, rocket jumping away, anything just to not to not give a frag. This is the time when many pros and other people like forgot about it and they started to play more loose in time it in time limit because it's 10 minutes i'm gonna feed five frags it's no, no problem and raise stick to the same method so he never gave like frag for free he played it like a uh, round base in a time limit jewel in the beginning and i think that was one of the best habits he could like get from it yeah i, I remember just the first time i loaded time limit duel on quake champions i think i went 10-0 down immediately because i was like it doesn't matter i'm still alive and this time's still going it's brilliant <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> That's but why wouldn't no one like, listens to me. <laughs> veteran Quake pros would be like more comfortable with the time limit anyway. Like, wouldn't have it been like a thing that I would have had trouble adapting to compared to other pros? Mm, I think I think time limit back then in Quake Life was played differently, especially that. Okay, so for example. Quick champions is specific game because control sometimes doesn't give you like too much, right? The stacks are pretty similar. You're giving uh, away control. Let's say you're gonna stick somewhere behind the, the wall with rocket launcher. You're gonna hit force rocket to the face and basically you are on even fight, right? And in Quake Life, when you are outside of control and, and you are after respawn, it was such pain in the ass to survive and to to even kill someone, it was, it doesn't even fit in my, I, I still don't find like ways how to kill a guy straight after spawn when he has full control. He was just like uh, pushing you and he was killing you without any damage back basically. And now you are taking first weapon and you basically, you are, let's say 65, 35 in percentage, uh, you are in in this favor, right? Sometimes I think it's starting weapons. <laughs> or yeah, some, yeah, or better than than, than uh, super weapons, right? So it's it's completely different way of playing time limit back then and now. 
Mm. I completely agree with Ovid. Mm. Fair point. Um, Wenger, um, already Alex touched upon your style, how things have slowed down, and you know, comparing you to being a Kilson, I'd say, is a sort of height of compliments, to be honest, given the way that he's performing at the moment. Um, I, I remember watching you, particularly at PGL in 2018, I think. You were a really hyperactive player, but this was a tournament where suddenly you played slower than base, slower than anybody ever. Was this a turning point for you in determining your style? Or, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to have just brought that up for no reason at all, but I felt like there's lots of different types of Vengas that I've seen. You know, what does that journey look like and how do you define your style now? Well, it's been a up and downs for sure. Like um, there were tournaments where I tried different tactics and approach to the game and it didn't work well. Then like I did really bad on PGL and then on Italy I played really good. I won against Garpiang's Ron and made a really close game against Rafa. And that style was like completely different in just 20 days after PGL. Mm. So I don't know, I, I think it was just a, fa a phase where I was experimenting pretty much and I was trying to get as much experience as I could in order to just like get the best out of every style. Um, and that's how it is right now. Like I can play aggressive, but I can also play slow. So I think I'm improving in that way. Like I'm not going 100% on like only slow or only fast, you know, I'm trying to balance things up and try to get the best out of situations whenever I can. Mm. And I think it's working pretty well. So, uh, actually, uh, before you go, there's been this conversation between Tugud and Zeniku recently, and a lot of the conversation has been around experience and how um, you have to have a lot of experience, especially to start building uh, a story for success versus those guys with more experience. Um, it, how? What's That's going to be true, but there's definitely instances that we've seen where there's people like Baxter a long time ago who seem to kind of rise through very quickly. And I'd kind of say that Razi and Wenger have also, in the grand scheme of the lifetime of Quake, have also accelerated their, their development path. Um, how do you see that kind of fitting into this sort of experience theory? It's a very... Broad as, as you said, there was guys like Buxton who rise up pretty pretty fast. Wenger and and Razy also like um, uh, grow pretty fast. Uh, same was for me. I started to play Quake, for example, and after it after three years of playing Quake, uh, I won like my first World Champion. So, what mm. we're talking about? I didn't have like uh, experience at all. You know, I think it's because it's it's clash between like uh, this eye of a tiger of a new new newcomer, right? And between like experience, right? If you have a guy who already trying to climb for longer time, then yeah, then experience is like uh, pretty pretty important. But if you have like a strict newcomer who's like very new and he's just joining the pro scene, it's like his motivation is so high up and he's like um, he's grinding the game. Uh, he believes in himself. I think that's 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 pretty even to experience. I don't think experience helps you as much because some people, for example, for some people, if you are experienced, you you played on lands, you are not getting stress on land anymore, right? So this this factor is goes away, right? But some people in general, they are uh, their personality personality allows them to play like on tournaments without being nervous. There is some guys who who never are never nervous on land, for example. Some guys who need experience to be like calm on land, and some guys who will never never reach that point. Like for example, we had forever the guy who played Quake Four. 
let me tell you like this, like Forever was beating both me and Tox in practice games. And we were rocking in Quake 4, you know? There was no no match for us basically in Quake 4. And when I went to bootcamp to Amsterdam to play with Forever, I played two days with him and I said, fuck it, man. I'm not going to play with this guy anymore because I'm going to lose next tournament. He's getting like all my confidence from me away. Mm. Seriously, I was still losing every single map. He was hitting like 80, 90% rail every single game. And then he's coming to the same tournament and I see everything goes completely bad for him. Straight away, he starts to like uh, play slower, then he starts to choke, then he starts to hide, then people push him, put pressure on him, and then he can't hit, and then it's GG. Mm. So I don't, I, it's really hard to judge for me because I I never like thought that my strong side is experience or anything like this. And it's not, and I don't think Turgut exactly meant that, you know, experience throughout the year. He meant experience which you which you learned during uh, during your practice yeah. time, you know, yeah. uh, experience in Jewel, not in playing as a whole and, and things like this. Then of course, because without like experience and grinding the game, you need to learn situations, small moments, micro moments, you know, because there is general, uh, picture of the game and then during the practice you are learning and your your brain is like uh saving all the all the memories situations small situations micro moments and things like this mm. i think he spoke about that more yeah yeah um no totally fair point um i'm gonna start getting through some questions because we're like not well, very far I could, through I them. could ask a very interesting question. Yeah, please do. Please. Every every podcast and to it's to both Wenger and and Razi and maybe it will be cool if Wenger could start with it. So every time I ask, because it's very interesting for me and for many people, I guess. For example, um, every single player has in his mind like one most important thing about Quake when you are playing and approaching the game. For example, whenever you're going to speak with Cypher before the tournament, before a very important match in the past and nowadays, he will always tell you if he's going to know timings of all items on the map second to second exactly for like 10 or 15 minutes, doesn't matter the time limit, he most likely going to overcome his opponent and win the game. Cooler used to say that if he's gonna hit his rails, like standard rails, he will always win the game, right? Rafa always always believed, for example, that he cannot give away frag without making damage. So it's 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 no option for him to die and deal no damage. So when he's low, he rather like stay, as I said, behind the corner and hit the rocket than go open fight LG against LG, right? So he will always try to maximize damage before dying because he feels like clear clear frag is basically GG because it's like giving the control to, to the other guy. So I, I would like to hear you guys. What do you think is one most important thing in Quake? Anything what you can think of? Um, I think I'm, I'm pretty similar, I think, to what Rafa uh, would say. I think that it's really, really important to not let the opponent get away without doing damage. And I think it's the same when he's taking items. I think you always need to at least hit something back. Because if he's killing you and it's a clear frag, it's, it, most of the times it's just going to snowball you all the time. So you need to always be able to make pressure on the opponent no matter what. I think that's what I always try to do because people always they like, talk about me not playing with items and so on. But if you go see my matches, every time I'm not taking an item, I'm trying to rail. Always. I'm trying to hit one rail before, uh, after he takes the item. And I think it's really crucial because at the end of the day, um, at this level, aim is pretty much, I, I wouldn't say equal, but almost. Like, everyone has incredible aim, incredible game sense. Everyone knows where everyone is. So I think it's really important to deal damage and 
not let the opponent get an easy frag, like, especially with time limit, where, like, in maps like Blood Run, for example, like, if you gave away two frags, maybe it's already over, and you don't even, like, can do anything about that. So it's really important that you are able to do damage, no matter what. Yeah, yeah because, uh, for example, um, everybody knows about all the things I said, timings, right? Dealing damage, yeah. not dying without dealing damage, uh, awareness of the map, like, and things like this. We all know about it. But, for example, if you're approaching the game, right, and one player is thinking mostly about one subject, it's something different than just keeping it in mind. I also have it in mind that I need to deal damage before I die. But, for example, if you focus more on this, then you are yourself trying to create situation where you are trying to deal the most damage you know so you know that he's coming for example on ruins uh, for for mega because there is rotation he's coming from nailgun you are out of control so instead of trying to hit rail for example such person will understand that he needs for example try to do some combo right hit rocket to the to the ground of mm -hmm. mega health bounce him then hit the ray gun things like this you know that's why every playstyle is different because if you focus more on one thing your your whole like concept of the game is changing which is also interesting i think and um also i remember in quake live back the, uh, many years ago um rafa for example was approaching the game and i said it already many times on this podcast because when we ask him with cypher why you are so successful right now why you are winning every single event he said that it's simple in my mind when i'm playing jewel i'm not playing to win i'm playing not to lose and because of this one thought in my uh, in my process of the game i'm not taking unnecessary risk but it doesn't mean that i'm going to hide completely right when i am out of control because i know that's not the way to not lose because I need to do something to not lose this game, right? I think like going with such approach to the game, I want to win, I'm playing to win, and I'm playing not to lose, completely like changes the, the I, I, player, player uh, concept about the game. It's a funny thing though, because that's something that myself and other commentators would attribute to somebody's failure as well, because some people play not to lose, but they don't do it well they never find that moment to just okay that's the opportunity that i need to commit to that's suddenly the the moment where the game goes back into my way which is something that rafa was so often able yeah. to do because look i will give you a perfect example what i think is most trickiest thing in jewel right now when you have two good players is for example one player is doing better in first half and he's for example in elite six to three right and then he's getting fragged for example, seven to three getting fragged, seven to four, and then it's four minutes left. And then there is a very tricky situation. Most of the players usually try to slow it down and try to win with the score, right? This is the most tricky situation because most of comebacks happen like this because you don't have enough time to defend and people just giving away instead of playing like it's zero zero or playing as you're still in control. That's why you will see Rafa playing in practice games always to the end, you know, always. Even in eight minutes, he's still pushing. Even without control, he's still pushing because he knows he needs to get control back, you know, and then he never is never in such situation on tournament that it's seven to four and out of a sudden, you see Rafa playing like a pussy and giving away five frags because he's giving away everything. And you see it with the majority of players. And this is how comebacks happen. I think this is one of the most tricky situations. Right before but we... I would like to hear Razy as the, well. Before we or, get to Razy, this is super relevant because Razy lost to Cypher in the stage three final on Blood Run when <laughs> he had control and he was dominating the game and it looked like GG Easy 2-0 and you just stopped doing 
anything on the map. And it and was I like totally, that. I totally did, wasn't uh, referring to this match. Because no, I know, I know. Every single match I see. For like, sure, literally, for sure. People start to like, play defensive, and then they are like, okay, okay I'm going to defend the league. Uh, defend the lead, right? And then like they're defending for two minutes. Then it's one frag, and the, the everything's like go snowball, right? Absolutely. And if they would push and uh, sacrifice two more frags, for example, then they would eventually get it back and, and keep leading yeah. in the game, right? Definitely. But it's and... very tricky for your mind because you are so close. You are like, it's three minutes, man. It's nothing, right? I'm going to defend it. I want to win this map. Your brain telling you, your brain telling you to go defensive because it's like, you know, it's our uh, nature. It's like, uh, you know. It was many thousand years uh, ago, right? When Tiger was chasing you, you were running, right? <laughs> it's your instincts, right? So this is what, what is like uh, the most important. I think you yeah. need to break through your instincts and start to do the right thing. Try to not to lose, you know, because in this case, you are trying to lose, actually. So you, are, I, you are asking for a lose. I, I, don't, I didn't bring it up just to haunt you again, Razia. I just wanted to get like a bit more... Was there a sort of like a wider plan or do you think what happened is an example of what Avec is talking about in that match. Uh, I did have a plan. I didn't plan on completely letting go of the keyboard for the rest of the match. <laughs> uh, but you did. <laughs> kind of. I'm joking, I'm joking. But, but what Avec said, like, yeah, that, that kind of happened the way he described the situation. But also, it was on Blood Run, which is a very difficult map to play uh, if you want to get back into control. So it's really hard to turn the control back around on that map, and most people just decide they don't they don't they don't won't bother with it. They just try to play the plus back game on that map because that's more easily doable than on other maps. And I tried it, but I'm not very good at plus back, uh, so it didn't work. But yeah, how 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 this is important, Razor, right. you just quoted. I'm not very good at plus back. Let's just go into the hall of fame of everything that's ever said, just because of your ancient meme that, that you're I'm so right. defensive no yeah. just that you're defensive and so on when you've been the, one of the most aggressive players in all time i i don't yeah. know what people kept telling me i had like one or two matches that i was plus backing when they first started telling me that i'm i'm just a plus back red uh but mm. i was known for being sometimes even overly aggressive mm. but i'm not very good at okay. plus back and we we have to like be honest about it because if you compare my plus back to like bases or coolers plus back i'm not good at that <laughs> i'm not good fair. at that that's fair totally fair um should we go back to avic's uh question though in the way that yeah like okay. a standard, how do you put it avic like a standard almost like a, a rule of thumb for the way that you approach uh, a game is that that the right way it's just one most important thing. What you mm. think is most important? What what you value the most in the game? Because there is many important aspects. Uh, personally, um, the way I approached every like major tournament or or something that like very important match or anything like that is uh, I try to be very calm and collected with my mindset. Because even if it doesn't really seem like it, I'm a very nervous person. I'm not very self confident. And I, I struggle with, with believing in myself and, and believing that I'm better than my opponent. And that's kind of how you already lose a match if you go into a match uh, with that mindset. So if I manage to not approach the match that way, but I, I, I'm calm, I'm collected, I think about what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it, I have plans. Uh, I look at the matchup and I analyze it before the match, like as I load into the game or whatever. And, and I just have like a general 
grasp on things instead of, of panicking. That's what I like to achieve whenever I begin a match, just to be calm and collected. So like take a, like a uh, like a, a deep breath, close my eyes for a sec, just reset, you know, and then focus on the game. I think I've even seen that from you in I tournaments, Razy. And it's interesting that you say something that's not even in the game. It's like mindset is over, controls well, everything you do. So There's not many like new things I can come across in, in it anymore. Uh, if so, I I know how to aim. I know how to use the right weapons for the right situation most of the time. Of course, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes all the time, but but in general, you know, I, I'm a pro, so I'm kind of familiar with it. But outside of the game, I'm uh, I'm not very good. <laughs> so I have to focus on those that's, things. That's very interesting what you said. And are you both of you guys into some like? Because you mentioned that you're taking uh, big breath and closing your eyes. Are you into some uh, breathing um, techniques? For example, you know, it's like. Um, scientists already proved when you are like breathing very shortly and very fastly it's when you are getting nervous because when people is like uh, chased or is nervous it's he's breathing very fast when you are going to sleep your breath going very deep and very like uh, you know it's very deep and very long if you try to use this uh, breath technique as you see uh, like when you are sleeping it, it calms you and it collects you have you ever tried something like this before the game or have you read about such things like on internet? Did a research or something like this? I never yeah. researched this, th these things and, and I don't do it because I've heard about this uh, theory or whatever. Uh, I just found it that it helps me with okay. focusing on, on the game. And whenever I do it, it like it's like as if you press a button and then all of a sudden nothing else matters but the game. Mm -hmm. And then you can bring the most out of yourself. So I do it for that reason. And Wenger, okay. have you already tried any brief uh, techniques? I I heard about it, but not really actually. I I think in the past year, instead of what I have done is like trying to be more healthy in general. Like, and yep. it has been improving my game. Like, it's unbelievable how much like sleeping or drinking water or eating healthy just changes everything. Like, it's insane. To be fair. Exactly. Uh, and because I think it it uh, it plays big role. So, for example, you Wenger, like let's say one day or a few days or a week before a tournament, like big big event. What you're trying to do? You're trying to fix your schedule, or like you're trying to like sleep more, or like more efficient, or like you're doing something outside gaming, or you're uh, like diet changing. For example, uh, the one which supports your brain more. So essential essential fats and and things like this. Do do you? Do you do any anything specific outside the game before tournament oh, to prepare like com I, complex? I usually do it already two weeks before the tournament actually. So I, I start to already wake up really early, like I will do in a tournament. So I try to fix my schedule, like adapting to that. Like for example, I always try to schedule my games as early as possible. So I try like I, I tell to Kilson, let's play 8 a.m. Let's try this. <laughs> I try I try to wake up and just try to change my my lifestyle. I try to just cut sugar mostly like that's the okay. most important thing i think and just like i think it's really important i think people don't realize how important water is especially when you are playing like you need to hydrate yourself really a lot especially like when you have long schedules of long sessions it's really important especially for your brain i think it's people don't really realize how important such things are and think it gives you the edge no matter what but i still rather like the sleep is the most important thing like First on the list, in my opinion. 
Okay. And what do you think about supplements in esport, like caffeine, for example? Are you using caffeine, or you, uh, you are big, big uh, against against uh, caffeine? Um, Vega, Vega, I, mean, I have I have seen you have like six Red Bulls before a tournament. Oh well, yeah, well, the same. Yeah, yeah. It was a long time ago, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that was really stupid. So I completely <laughs> cut. Um, I think I, when I feel tired, I try to drink just more Red Bull. If I really, really feel tired, but if I feel okay, I just drink water. It really depends on how I feel during the day. Like in Katowice, I like the first day I, I didn't drink, then the second day I did. Like it depends really. Fifty-fifty, uh, I wouldn't say like no you know, or yes. When you when you look at Rafa, for example, he's drinking a little bit of Red Bull and then a lot of water, so he gets like. Um, advantages of of like caffeine and taurine and all the stimulants so it stimulate your brain but water and hydration getting rid of all jittery which you're getting from stimulants or all the nervous and all the anxiety so that's pretty interesting as well mm, i don't yeah. know are you against caffeine razy or you think it helps or mm, not necessarily against it but i'm kind of vanilla i don't really try to focus on what i'm drinking on or eating during an event i just do whatever is available and then play the game. All right. Very different takes uh, here, actually. Uh, super, super, super interesting, guys. I'm going to um, push this on to the next. And I think, Avec, this is recently going to be uh, very relevant for you because I think you've started streaming recently. I've spotted a couple of, of streams lurking in the Quick Champions category. Um, all of you guys are, are streaming. Let's start with Razy. Actually, um, how are you enjoying kind of creating your own content? You're, you know, you're basically a sort of daily expectation seeing you stream now. Uh, are you enjoying it? Do you see any kind of pros or cons in terms of maybe your strategies will start getting leaked at all, or how is it for you? I tend to give away my strategy. I'm, I'm not very smart when it comes to that because uh, I play the game openly on stream in front of people. And maybe even sometimes the pros tune in for a little bit and they see how I play. And I mostly play as I would play against them. So they mm. could like analyze it and, and see like certain tricks or, or little things that I do differently compared to other people. Uh, and I shouldn't be doing that, but I do. As I said, it's not very smart. Um, I play the game a lot and it, it sometimes I burn out. I just need like a break for like maybe a day, maybe two days. But overall, I do enjoy playing as much as I do. And lately, I've been collecting my stream footage, making into making them into clips uh, and then into videos, highlight videos. And I'm very happy with that. It kind of motivates me to keep playing and try my best, just so that I can collect these nice moves and compile them into frag movies and stuff. Um, I hope people uh, enjoy them because, uh, you know, it comes from my heart. And other than that, uh, practicing when I actually play against other pros, uh, again, I try to do my best. I don't uh, uh, sandbag or anything like that. Um, but it can backfire because if I, if I beat someone during practice and I feel confident about it, but that someone was sandbagging to some degree, uh, but then the next time when we play against during a competition, they actually bring their 100% to the table. I might be uh, caught off guard, so it can backfire. But 
I feel like if I don't put my 100% into practice, then the practice was not worth it. Like there, it was no point to practice like that. Yeah. Uh, and also when I practice, I try to focus on certain things that I've been doing bad lately. Like for example, the last couple of weeks, I've been struggling with my aim. So I was focusing on that more so than ever before. And I feel like by now I kind of fixed it and I'm comfortable with how my aim is. Uh, but you know, there's always something that you, you feel like you need to improve on. And then I just focus on that until I feel like it's, it's on a good enough level. Many people ask about aim, right? Uh, yeah. so when you already started that you, you, you tried to improve your aim or get back to your normal shape, what, what did you do? Did you just join the game and focus on aim more than on other aspects and try to bring it back or you did something special? Uh... I was open to any kind of change. Like some people are too stubborn to try out things like changing sensitivity or field of view or whatever else that they could maybe experiment with and find a better value or whatever that they, they feel more comfortable playing with. But uh, I was open to these changes. I've tried out many things until I felt satisfied with the results. And when I went into game, I started taking fights that I didn't take before because I knew that I wouldn't be winning them because my aim wasn't good enough. Like if there was like an LG fight based on equal stacks, uh, I would be scared to go into that and I would try to approach it a different in a different way, maybe like poke around the corner with the rocket before we start the LG fight because then I would have more stack if the rocket hits or if the rocket doesn't hit, then I would completely ignore the fight and go away there from there. But nowadays, since I fixed my sense, uh, not sense, my aim accuracy, or at least I'm more comfortable with it, uh, it's more often that I take LG fights uh, and I actually end up winning them sometimes. Okay. So it's did you, also did like you... a confidence things, uh, thing as well. Yeah. Did you actually change your sensitivity? Uh, my zoom sensitivity I changed. Uh, my default sense is the same with the same mouse XL, but my zoom FOV and my zoom sense changed. I lowered it so I can track people more easily. I don't overgo with the yeah. crosshair on them. So you actually using zoom for LG fights or not? Not always, just when I feel like it's necessary. As, like it's more like when the person is like mid range, so like not very close to me, but like still within LG range, then I tend to zoom in. Not always, it, it depends okay. on the angle on the fight. Yeah. But I, I do that nowadays, yeah. And you, Marco, do you think, uh, are you changing your settings like often, for example, sense? Like there is some moments, for example, when you go into different setup, let's say it's an tournament, there's different PC, different monitor, and you sit down and you feel that straight away something's not right. You, you don't feel the mouse as you felt at home. Do you straight away change your sensitivity because you feel it's too fast, so you lower it, or it's too slow, so you make it higher. As Razi said, some people are so stubborn that they will not even change it when they feel that it's not right. And some people just don't care, like Cypher comes to land and he says, okay, yeah, well, I'm going to play with 4.2 today because it's, it, it feels right. <laughs> it's a 4.2 day. <laughs> yeah, he, he always was like this. And I was like, man, you're, like, you're playing with different sounds every day. And he says, no, I just grab the mouse. I feel that it's too fast a little bit, so I just lower it by feeling. And it was always great for him. And it worked for me as well. Whenever I came to LAN, I just like adjust it like how I feel. Mm, 
not as much as, as on LAN. Like sometimes I just change it, like not by much, just by 0.1, for example. If I feel like there is something weird, then I feel like I'm too slow. But in the past two months, I felt like I just wanted to improve my aim even more. So I've been trying to uh, slow down a bit of my sensitivity, but I've been trying some weird settings, like messing up with pitch, yaw settings, trying to make something better, something yeah. lower, higher, you know? Like I had problems uh, doing vertical damage. Like when I literally used go down with my mouse, I didn't like, I didn't feel fast enough. So I just put the sense uh, like higher in that aspect. And I feel much like more smooth in my gameplay. Uh, I think it's just, uh, you just need to try out. And as I always say on streams, like sensitivity is so personal and important, you know? So you just try to really stay a lot and try. If it feels good, then it's okay. If it doesn't feel good, I always suggest to just try until if it, it is like okay for you. That's interesting. And what about your zoom sensitivity? It's lower. Uh, it's lower than your uh, regular sense or it's the same or usually uh, it's lower, right? Or it's the same. So I changed I my zoom FOV actually, which I, like makes a difference still. Like I put it a little bit higher now. Um, but I, I'm not really a zoom player. I tend to zoom a bit with the railgun, but like LG fights or rocket never. Like I don't even remember a situation where I actually zoom with the the, the LG in fights. Like, but with the railgun, it's actually pretty often. Don't mm. you feel, for example, crazy because you you lowered your zoom zoom sense when you're using like zoom on like railgun fights or some LG fights, as you said, when you're going out from zoom and going back to your regular sense, sometimes maybe. Sometimes maybe your regular tracking and 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 your crosshair placement is is not as good as it could be when when both like values will be the same. Don't you feel that then it's a little bit too fast when you're going back to regular, or yeah. you don't think about it at all? It was something that I needed to get used to. It was definitely noticeable, and sometimes I still feel like. Uh, sometimes I shouldn't zoom in when I'm railing. Other times I feel like it's better if I do. I'm not so sure. But uh, it is it is something that that you can notice. Uh, but I kind of got used to it more or less. Okay. Can I, can I ask a, a question, Travek? Actually, I was curious about. Something. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, Finally, I'm a guest, and I will have a question. <laughs> I want to ask: Have you in the past tried to play with lower uh, refresh rate, and then in LAN play with Tiger? refresh rate in monitor like you practice with 120 and then online you go to 240 like does it make a difference for you or it's just in your mind you know uh, that with this kind of strategy i want three dream hacks <laughs> uh, before every single dream hack I, I i i won i played with 60 hertz monitor and then mm. i was going for 120 and it felt like heaven it just I'm doing felt it. like heaven I, i'm doing it before my matches on sunday and it, i don't know if it's something related to like placebo or your mind but it just feels so much smooth I don't know, it's really weird. It's kind of, of similar course. to how when you go from 60 FPS to 120. It makes a difference, for sure. Yeah, yeah you're, you're going from 60 to 240. Your your eyes are <laughs> like, uh, your eyes getting used to like worse conditions. So when, when you're changing for a better, you're always going to improve for the next like few hours until you get used to it again, right? Yeah. That's so pretty, pretty smart. Pretty smart. <laughs> um, I want to continue along the line of thought with the streaming and stuff because it's something that Wenger also does a lot. And honestly, like Endpoint Maestro is just another team that in general, there's just content churning out and it's great. Wenger, um, how are things going with like, you've been doing guides, you do your streaming as well. And on the same kind of vein, are you just teaching your opponents to 
be like you? Um, you know, that's actually a funny question because from QuakeCon last year, I didn't stream anymore my practice duels on stream. I didn't do it anymore. And I don't know if it's a coincidence, but I got my best results ever. Like, I don't know if it, that's something that I don't know, goes together, <laughs> but like, since I stopped streaming my practice, like, I feel much more confident because I know like no one is studying me that much. No one has votes of me playing, so I can try some tricks and some stuff. But yeah, so I've been trying to just help new people mostly. Just because I really love Quake and I really, if I can give some information that like from already playing a long time, if I can help someone out, I'm just, I just feel good about it. So, so it's more like a general strategies rather than this is exactly how I play the situation. It's more like this is a good fundamental yeah, tactic for exactly. you to use. Well, everyone is different anyway, so it depends yeah. on, on how you approach the map anyway. Like, I can teach you how to spawns work on this thing and then how to go over there, but at the end of the day, like, every situation is different. Like, you cannot predict everything all the time. Yeah. It's almost impossible. Have you done every single map yet in the dual pool, or...? Uh, no, I missed two maps, I think. I'm Listen. struggling. Yeah, <laughs> you just step it up, man. I'm yeah, joking. I'm it's, it's really, it's really, really cool content, actually. And Avec, now that you've started streaming recently, have you got your new PC and everything? Like, what's your kind of status on yeah, the I Avec show? I got new PC. And um, I started to dig more into streaming because it's, it's also an interesting subject for me because when I watch different kind of streamers, not only Quakers, but the people from other games, everyone is approaching streaming differently. Like, for example, you got Rafa who's playing Jules. He doesn't care about the chat for 10 minutes. Then he goes into his chat like fastly, answers a few questions, and he's back to practice like Jules again. Some people never uh, never stream like their like serious practices because, you know, they try to interact with chat too much and some people have good balance so they focus on the game and on the chat so i think this is the biggest issue in the beginning you don't really know what you should do if you should rather like concentrate or focus on the game or speaking with the chat mm. i think it's a lot about the personality if and it's it's mostly about personality if you are a kind of guy who likes to chat with people and you like to hang out with people and you are very, very social then you mm. should go for like hang out with your chat because this is this is uh, this is you basically it's your true like personality and i think this way you're gonna enjoy streaming because otherwise if you're gonna put such guy and tell him to like practice jewels and don't interact with the chat then he's not going to do it for long, right? Mm. Second of all, I think it's very, very important nowadays. It's not like 2007 anymore where you had to play on your best on tournaments and win tournaments and everybody was hyped about you. Nowadays, you you have to show your complete package, right? You need to be... You need to exist in social media. People need to recognize you. You have to have big Twitter, big uh, Twitch, big Instagram, big everything. You need to look good, speak good, play good. You need to do everything good. You you, you need to to uh, upload mass masses of content on every platform, even YouTube, everywhere, everywhere. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of examples in uh, history of eSport where there was like two guys, they were playing on same team. For example, I spoke about it with Pete Lately. They were playing on same team in Counter-Strike. One of them didn't give a single F 
about social media. Mm. He didn't develop as a player. He didn't care about his looks, about his like uh, social media. And now he's nowhere. And then you have like uh, somebody else who who really was a social guy. He streamed a lot. He uploaded a lot of content. He took care of his uh, like physics and stuff like this. For example, we got like Pasha from like Polish uh, like CS team. He's well known in esports. He has a lot of contracts. Like whole uh, Polish and world esport knows him. And uh, he, he worked for it. He's a very social guy. He's going to the gym. He has like a lot of memes, like people love him, right? So so he still exists in esports. Now try to name like other other guys who are playing with him in a team. Mm. You know, it's like uh, with, with years, your your personal personality disappear. Even if you were champion back then, you does you, you don't mean anything right now if you're if you're not existing in social media. So I think especially Quakers need to work on it because we are especially stubborn because we are like older community. Totally. You know, new new community newcomers are like understanding it more. So you know, when you're crazy, they understand it more. But yeah. you know, you have people who don't really care about it. For example, talks about they don't care about it, right? Yeah, no, you're you're, you're yeah. totally right. And it's weird how we're one of the uh uh oldest esports out there but we're one of the newest in terms of getting our community good at doing it at a pro level but um uh, Razi, i want to ask you a very serious question because i'm sure it's been talked about internally with maestro no gaming and um that i think it's going to have some long-term impact on yourself have you guys discussed this internally why does venga like um pineapple pizza i don't know something's wrong with him oh my god <laughs> I really tried so hard to say that with a straight face. I took inspiration from you, Razy. So, yeah, I'm. I'm also against pineapple pizza. Yeah. And yeah, Venga loves it. It's unbelievable. It's same like pasta with ketchup. I mean, what's wrong with you, Venga? You don't have tomatoes. You need to use ketchup. <laughs> you guys are kidding, but I I have DMs in my Instagram of people actually asking for seriously, like, why do you like pineapple pizza? I'm not even kidding. I'm not even joking. It's actually true. It's unbelievable. It all started with you, and now we are here, and I'm so proud. Oh, I couldn't do it here. Uh, Marco, have you ever tried pizza with Nutella, or like with chocolate? No. 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 That's only classic. That's too crazy combo. <laughs> That's way too much already. You know what we used to do in the school, which is also like something like terrible and like it doesn't fit in people's head. Uh, when we had a break between the lessons, we were going to the small shop to buy something to eat. And we were buying like um, like a bread, like the, how is it called? It's like little bread. We oh. were opening it and we were like filling it with chips and then eating it. <laughs> that was crazy, wow. but everybody did it. And then when, when the first time I tried, I was like, wow, this is so good. It tastes cool. I can't, I can't tell if Marco is insulted or impressed, honestly. Oh, he's Italian, so you know, like uh, food, food is very important for him. So he's probably like ashamed. But at the same time, he's the guy who's eating pizza with pineapple. You know, <laughs> it doesn't match. It doesn't match the Italian, Italian uh, guy. I totally agree. Okay, before I lose my citizenship, I'm not eating pineapple. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to move things on because we're actually we're over an hour in. I want to remind people in chat that we are going to open questions up to the floor at some point, but I want to get through just a couple more topics to um, to start with because uh, we haven't even talked about the Quake Pro League yet, and there's a fun bit of um, uh, stuff happening on Sunday because uh, Pineapple Pizza Man and uh, uh, Avec are going to be playing this weekend. Have you guys got anything you want to say to each other? Just square up, or you know, just have like a regular conversation. It's just going to be a ramble in the jungle, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be crazy. 
you can't miss guys you can't miss quick pro league it's gonna be crazy all matches gonna be crazy this this one weekend just I'm... forget about other weekends and next weekend just, just focus this on this one there is us, you will see so what's gonna to happen <laughs> you will see what's gonna happen crazy and kilson yeah it's, this is gonna be insane um how, because like i feel like it's almost weird to ask about everyone's your approach to each other's game when you're gonna play each other it feels like i don't know some weird meta too intimate in a way but razy i think i actually saw kelson in chat at some point have you got anything anything you want to talk about your game are you ready he's not on here so he can't reply like directly to us I don't know, man. The way the way I played lately in QPL, that first match against Sparty last weekend, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready. We'll see. We'll just have to see. <laughs> we'll just, have just, to see. just tell him that your pummel is ready for him. That's it. Your is always Easy. Ready. Easy paid. <laughs> ideal. Ideal. Um, all right. We covered the the Quake Pro League uh, bit, but um, yeah, pretty fast. Yeah, done. But <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody knows to watch it. Yeah, you, you absolutely should because there's some some even just these like two matches alone that we've been talking about are absolutely sick. Um, but uh, the Maestro family, let's talk about that uh, a little bit. You guys, actually, how long have I know that Razor, You've been in Maestro now for since 2017. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, Venga, when did you um, join? Like 20 one year now. Year and a half. Like, what's the, the the vibe like in in Maestro? Are, are you like a family, or because I don't know? I'm I'm working in racing now, and I keep seeing these interviews where it's like, well, teammates are still going to have a rivalry because only one person wins at the end of the day. Do you kind of have like this mentality as two individual teammates who are playing in a dual competition where only one can win, or are you guys like, hey, you're my friends? Let's <laughs> high five. I don't know, like, Razy, I look at, because you won't stop smiling, like... I can't stop smiling, because I know what's going on on the Maestro Discord. Every day, I spam it with, uh, with uh, pineapple pizza-related pictures, <laughs> like, <laughs> on the internet. Whatever food-related thing gets bigger I immediately post it every day. And it's one of my best hobbies, I love it so much. It, it, it gives me great joy. Well, he's spamming before games, good luck, pasta and ketchup, so what can I even say about that? <laughs> even before the games, in competition, he's doing it, so... so... So this probably gives, like, a very good impression that there's a very positive, like, environment in, in Maestro. Like, Avic, what do you think? Like, when you see these guys who are in the same team together chilling, is, is this something that's only positive, or do you think there should be a bit more, like, warfare, mental warfare going on? I don't know. It's up to the people. I think they're getting along pretty good, so I think that's that's the way to go. Why would they fight with each other? You know, uh, in the majority of my like career, I was together with Cypher in all teams, and it went good. It it only made our uh, friendship stronger. I think it's pretty healthy relation. They they still gonna compete with each other and and do their best, right? But mm, they can yeah. like gain a lot from each other. Yeah, totally. Uh, and I remember at the start. Again, I hope this isn't like explicit information or anything but there was like early on when venga joined it was almost like and like razor you've been really really dominant for ages and i, I haven't i don't think i've highlighted it here by the way but in quick pro league um Razy and venga are in the top six but i technically say top five because i would still put you both in the top five in the world um sorry to hang you've you're out of my top five at the moment it's not personal <laughs> it's just just how it is um 
and it, it was like crazy. You almost mentor, I think is the wrong word, but there was kind of like it felt like you're you know you're showing encouragement, and you know so kind of like it felt like it was a healthy environment for Venga. And I only say that in such an intimate way because I talk to you, Venga, quite a lot. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have got any any comments on how that's developed over the time that um, um, uh, you've been together. Uh, the very first time I started playing as Wenger was before he even signed to Maestro. So like those online tournaments throughout mm. the year uh, that like we both attended every single time we signed up, we competed and we most of the time met in the grand final. Uh, so, you know, that was my first interaction kind of with Wenger. And I could already tell that he's really good, even though back then he was a newcomer, like, a, like very fresh, mm. uh, actually in the scene. And every time I faced him, he was tougher and tougher and tougher. And every time I was like, holy fuck, sorry for cursing, but like next time I have to be even better to beat him because this is not going to be enough. And soon enough, eventually he beat me and then I was struggling against him. Um, uh, but I feel like we both motivated each other to improve ourselves. And then we both brought the best out of each other because of that, because we both wanted to win against one another and we didn't want to accept uh, failure so because of that i feel like we we got off uh, on a like a good start because we both respected each other and we were also friendly like there was no hard feelings when one of us lost uh, and we also i remember discussing with wenger sometimes like what do i think went wrong for him when he lost and then i was asking how come all of a sudden now he's winning against me and then he was telling me how like what was the difference between like his previous matches against me compared to the newer ones. So we, we, we were, you know, friendly, professional, and then eventually he got signed to Maestro. And, and then we started uh, interacting more often, like, especially throughout events, we, we were going to places together. We had the same accommodation, stuff like that. And we were, you know, fooling around more. And I feel like Wenger and I, we are really good friends and, we are also rivals, so when we play against each other, we still do our best and try to win. But at the end of the day, you know, it's competition, but we are also friends. Yeah. Have you got anything to add to that, Venga? I mean, it's completely the same. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're competing, like, if you're a competitor, you want to win no matter what. But I think it's really important, especially if you're, like, in the same organization, to have a good relationship, like, no mm -hmm. matter what. It's really important to just have an healthy relationship. Uh, have someone at top level you can talk to and try to improve and practice together and all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. it's the main point of everyone playing duel. Everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to win the tournament. Everyone wants to win every map. It's normal, but mm. yeah, I mean, uh, get along with him. We're really well. Like, we are good friends. Yeah. Folks. No, fair enough. And Avek, I wonder what you think of this, because there's lots of classic mm -hmm. matches in history. We talked before about how you versus Cooler, that's a that's a classic matchup. Rafa versus Cypher, it's a classic matchup. There's probably a dozen others. Um, but one of the most recent ones, in my opinion, is when Razy and Wenger play each other, it's just some of the most, excuse my language, insane shit that I've ever seen. Have you had a feeling like this? I, I feel like it's the sort of the new El Clasico, in my opinion. Well, of course, they're going to build their own legacy and they're going to build their own history. The more matches it, it comes, people will uh, will look back in the future to, to those matches. You know, the, the, 
the interesting uh, thing about people is that they always look back to something which happened like a long time ago. They always look at such things like with uh, with like uh, good memories, with with a bit of a tear in the eye, you know. So I think <laughs> they will only gain as as players, and their matchups only will gain with years, you know. So in few years we'll be all looking back to their like uh, rivalry, and we will be like uh, having great memory. Mm. And it's it's already great matchup. They already top players, and they they showing great 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 plays, you know. So I think we only will understand how important it is right now, in the in the few few years next years. Totally fair. Totally, totally fair. Um, I'm going to bring So, guys, we're going to talk about one more thing, and then we're going to start taking some questions in chat. So uh, line them up, guys. Um, but for, to start with, this is a topic that comes up pretty much all the time because, you know, although we talk about Quake, um, this is also an arena FPS. And um, Diabotical is on the horizon. I don't want you to, you know, don't have to go into deep detail about psychology a psychological approach to whether or not you're gonna you know play diabotical but i'd be curious like is there any similarities that you're seeing with diabotical even though 1v1 is a bit closer to quake lives or do you want to even talk about whether you'd be interested in this 3v3 diabotical uh venga why don't why don't you start us off with that um well i mean um it's always good to have games like Harun fps no matter what so i think it's pretty good for the environment um but i don't know it's been like uh, it's been all my life that my only thing in my mind about playing is only quake always quake no matter what from since i was young i mean so i don't know i, I really like the idea behind it and all the work that has been done uh, i'm gonna probably try it I, i'm just really focused on quake and i want to build my own legacy over there and try to win as much as i can totally fair totally fair Razy, any um any thoughts yourself Oh, well, I personally never tried it out. I have only seen bits of it, little bits of it uh, from other players. But I mean, I'm generally open for things. And if it's a game I enjoy playing, you know, might as well. Mm. But uh, I haven't had a chance to try it out yet now. Yeah, I see. Have you watched enough to kind of understand how Duel works? In uh, not really. I yes, I don't know. I would need more experience with that game. So uh, let me put a different spin on it. How would you approach Quake Live if you went back to dueling in Quake Live? Would would your game change? Or would you take things from Quake Champions to duel in Quake Live? I would be clueless on timing items. <laughs> <laughs> did, you time, did you time before in Quake Live? No. You never time? And you were that good? That really, really upsets I, I was... me. I wasn't timing up until after DreamHack Denver because I won that event, but I was like, I'm not timing. This this is just luck, you know. I need to be more solid. I need to be able to depend on on uh, on knowing when to show up, where to show up. Is it gonna you know like appear in a sec or is it gonna be five seconds? If my opponent is already standing there, do I have enough time to kill him before the item spawns, or should I bail already? And at DreamHack Denver, the game was way different. It was way more combat heavy. Uh, so it wasn't as necessary to time items as nowadays. Uh, but back then I wasn't. And I knew that I had to learn to do that in order to improve myself. So I started doing that since. And by now I'm kind of comfortable with timing yeah. items. So to me, that's crazy because it was, you know, DreamHack Denver it wasn't the same as the Quake World Championship lineup of players, but it was still a very, very strong lineup of players. And yet you won the tournament 
with that timing. Um, how does that make you feel, Avec? I want this event anyway. <laughs> I know, but but to know that like someone can achieve such a thing um, without uh, timing. I think it's possible in Quick Champions. It wouldn't be possible in Quick Life because in Quick Champions you have rotations of all items. In Quick Life you had rotations only of three items, for example, right? Mm. Yeah. So I think it's totally possible, right? If he knew the rotations, why not? But then, of course, like as he said, if you wanted to be more solid, win more events, uh, win like uh, best players, then yeah, timing is uh, pretty important because he he mentioned like many aspects why it helped you. Mm. The yeah. most important is you know if you, if you need to take the fight against the guy or you're not. Because if you, if you are able to kill him before item, then you can take it. If if you know you are not, then you can let, let him have it and deal a little bit damage on the exit and and get back right yeah fair uh guys we're gonna go into question time now from chat i'm gonna start us off from one um that i've seen from james khan but everyone get your questions out one from james khan razy uh strongest map corrupted key surprise venga? <laughs> not surprised at all venga mm, that's actually uh i will say between awoken and the m6 really i really don't know like probably awoken but I'd say Awoken for you. I feel like I relate that map to you so much. I used to say that you'd never lose Awoken, and then you lost it once to... Thanks for you... jinxing me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you messed everything up for me. Avec, and... I totally don't have the best map. It changes every time. Sometimes I feel like I'm better on a certain map, sometimes on other map, really. Really? So what about... It was, it was, always, it was always like this in every kind of Quake. It felt that sometimes some map is working for me and then out of a sudden different map was my best map or the one which i played good i started to like struggle on so what about in like 2010 for instance when you're playing quake live you couldn't name like you didn't have a feeling at some point like holy crap this tournament i am dominating with flashing yeah, as i'm name. saying like it, it was up to the tournament yeah like, okay 2010, I played really, really good on the M13. Even though I lost in finals against Rafa, I played it the map like really, really perfectly. Before that, I played really good on ZTN. Or there was a times when I played good DM6, right? Mm -hmm. I still okay. I think I'm decent on DM6, and it's still like one of the safest maps for me. Yeah, no, absolutely fair play. Have we got questions uh, coming out? Um, okay, so Flowey71. Um, Question to everybody. Uh, when you first started playing Quake, who was the player you looked up to the most? Venga, I'll go with you first. Is it Cypher? Are oh, you said Cypher and Sturmy. Yeah. Cypher Sturmy. Okay. Um, and Strengths for Razy. We covered this earlier, so we're kind of recapping a little bit. But is that Razy? Was there anyone else, uh, Razy? It was Strengths. If I have to name someone, it was Strengths, but it didn't really last long because I'm not kind of the player who fanboys people. I did look up to him, but then I started becoming like close to his level and then on his level. And there was like not really, you know, that fanboy thing going on anymore. So what about uh, late in Quake Champions? Did you did you ever kind of see someone like, I guess it was so quick in Quake Champions that you became a force to be reckoned with. Did that feeling that, you know, you kind of over it at that point? Uh, mostly it went into like respecting other players rather than looking up to them. Right. Who do you respect? Acknowledging people, I mean. I see. Well, well, the pros, like people that I lose to. Okay. You know? So it could be anyone at, you know, depending on the yeah, year, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, Avec, totally different time, uh, totally different era. Um, what about you? 
cooler, legs are unkind. Okay. Biggest champions in the past. Mm -hmm. And would you would you study their vods at all or or their all demos the at that point? All the time. When I was young, I was like grinding the game so much. I was playing so much and I was watching so much that I knew everything. Even now, if um, for example, I can like uh, maybe not now, but until like let's say five years ago, I could like uh, tell you every single move cooler made against Socrates on DM6 from the beginning. First spawns, what he did all match. Like literally, I, I had it in my mind, like all match what he did, every situation, how the match went. Like Cooler took like, for example, yellow, drop down, took LG, uh, and all the match like this, mm. you know? Damn. So I'm just scrolling That's how through. much I was watching, like one single map, right? So I was watching <laughs> it and watching and watching. But you know, we didn't have access back then to so many demos, right? There was Cyberfight.ru, the biggest site with the demos and 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 VODs and uh, records from uh, from uh, games. You had to hope that they would get uploaded from events. Yeah, stuff. then you were yeah. downloading it and you were like grinding the, the map for like fifty yeah. times. So eventually, you, you you knew every single move of the player. I I've just realized actually that there were so many questions that have come out. Holy crap! <laughs> um, uh, okay. Uh, we'll go over the first one. Let's see from Hadi one two three four opponent with the hardest style to counter. Um, uh, Avic, well, Avic, why don't we start with you? I don't know. Does anyone need a second to think about it at all? Or in what game? In Quake Champions? Yeah, I think every single top player. Do you, are you finding that I, there's a I different answer for everybody? Then? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. That's first of all. And second of all, Quake Champions doesn't give you a chance to variety of a lot of styles. I think there is no... Uh, the, the style clashes don't have such big impact at, as it was in Quake 5 or Quake 4 or something like this. I, what Razy said, like I respect all the top players who, who are capable of winning. And I think every single one of them can uh, like beat any other you know on certain day and certain moment and i wouldn't count out like base against Razy, for example why mm. why would i and and vice versa right i wouldn't count out uh Razy against anyone mm. yeah fair. um wenger have you got any toughest opponent for you at the moment or what's your mentality mm. on it well i like at this level i think Mostly like top 10 players can win against each other on a good day. So I don't know, like countering. I try to adopt and play the best they can against anyone pretty much. Like mm -hmm. I don't try to get affected by my opponent gameplay. I just try to play my game and yeah, that's it. Like, Yeah, fair. Razy? Mm, player, if I have to name a player, then I feel like other than Rafa, I feel very comfortable playing against anyone really. Uh, but like, it doesn't matter what the result is. Even if I lose, I felt comfortable playing against them. But playing against Rafa, I've been struggling against him, especially lately. Um, but play style-wise, I guess I don't really like when people uh, don't really engage in the game. Like they stand still too much. They they just wait. They camp. They run away. They plus back. They hide. I don't really like that play style. Uh, not necessarily my counter, but I just don't really enjoy those matches because to me it's not action-packed, it's not fun. It's mm -hmm. more annoying than, than enjoyable. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Avec, you can definitely help me out at the moment finding questions because there are so many, so we might actually have to be selective at some point. But I'm going to ask one from Tail Whipper because it's kind of fresh news. Tower of Koth uh, is out. I'm probably going to try it out 
tonight that um Fenger, have you tried it out yet yeah i tried it on the pts um i mean as every map when it's now out like you need to play it a lot to actually understand how it works in the world like it's not something you can understand quickly you just need to play a lot in order to all the mechanism behind the map and yeah so but it looks really good so i'm gonna try it as soon yeah. as i can uh rosie have you had a go with tower of cost i haven't had the chance to check it out yet now yeah avec have you uh, plus one for what Wenger said, plus one for two, for what Razy said. <laughs> um, but even if I did, I think it takes a lot of hours to, to understand if it's if you like it or not and how to play it. Yeah, totally fair. And, you know, stay tuned for the next edition of this type of podcast to get the next series of answers, I guess. I, I don't even know, if it, like, is it coming to the competitive map pool? I don't, is this some, like, secret information? Is it? It's not for now, I think. Okay. Yeah. I think I think I asked a question before actually with you, Avec. Uh, which map would you when it was? I think it was on the Kilson interview. Exactly, uh, Xavier. Yeah, and you did, did you agree with him and say Vale? I think you did. Uh, but you, if you would get rid of, if you got rid of a map from the pool. No, I said I wouldn't get rid of any map in the pool. You wouldn't. Oh my god, weirdo. Crazy. <laughs> if you got rid of a map in the pool, which one would it be? I'm on Avex side. I wouldn't want to get rid of a map. I'd what is wrong with this? So passive. Come on, guys. I have more maps to play. Why would you want to get rid of them? That's and the I mean. ones that you, you like, people don't tend to enjoy, I wouldn't get rid of them. I would modify them to be more enjoyable to play on them. I'm just looking for people to say get rid of Blood Run because that's what makes me happy in life. Uh, Venga, <laughs> Venga, are you going to join me in this? Are you going to say yeah. get rid of Blood Run? I mean, no? um... I still, I still think that Blood Run needs to be played really smartly. So, if you're ah. losing, it, your fault is not the map fault. I think at the end of the day. So I agree with them. Ah, that's totally fair. All right, yeah. sorry guys, we've got the most passive people in the world here. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's, it's a, it, they're good answers. Um, Avik, have you managed to find anything? Uh, SXC wants the Maestro hat behind you. Um, Razy. No, it's Maestro merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a website there somewhere. Um, Stellagio, what is your opinion on Aim Train? We've had a little bit from Avic on this in the past. Venga, uh, have, you, have you played much of Aim Trainers? Do you have much of an opinion about them? I think I was talking about it with FaZe a few days ago. Um, I think Aim Trainers can be helpful to just relax your muscles, like the way you just set up. But I think at the end of the day, if you want to practice on Quake, like the input of the game, the way the mouse works and all that stuff, I think it's just different compared like to a name trainer. I think it's really good if you want to not warm up, but just get used to the way Flix works and all that stuff, just with your muscles mostly. But like mm -hmm. pure gameplay, I don't know. Like I, I prefer playing Quake 10 out of 10, in my opinion. Fair enough. Razi, have you done much with aim trainers? Uh, only lately when I was uh, focusing on, on improving my aim. Before that, I never really used to, uh, but I have been playing some Coax, for example. And although in Coax, I cannot set up my sense the same way uh, as I have it in Quake because there's no integrated mouse excel in Covax, but I do use mouse excel in Quake, even though it's a very little value, very, very low value. But uh, I find it that it still helped me because I could still practice aiming. Uh, I wasn't very accurate because, you know, different sense, but it still helped me with the, uh, I don't know, like hand-eye coordination or just like being comfortable having like an LG fight or whatever. Can't really explain it. It's more of a mental thing. 
you just have to like let loose a little bit and not be so tight tightened up when you when you like aim uh, sometimes you just have to do it naturally and that's what it helped me with mostly so there's a question from Ed's forehead here, which uh, is asking about the best way to improve LG percent. And I'm just wondering if there's a way to like segue into that. Do some people try too hard to improve their LG accuracy? Is there is there any like, and they end up just like getting frustrated or being stiff? You guys are talking about loosening your muscles. Avec, I don't know if you want to start on that. It's like the million dollar question, right? Well, we're already going for so long, so I'm going to answer fast. If you want to improve your aim, just be calm. Make yourself uh, calm, make your hand calm, and I think it's like general like uh, advice. Just be calm during aiming, during like doing the whole physical process with your hand, with your mouse. Be calm and relaxed. Any anything to add, uh, Venga or Razi? Yeah, uh, I mean you can definitely overdo it. Uh, uh, like when if you if you do it too much, it's actually gonna do more harm than good. Um, and as Avex said, it has to be like something that you do calmly and not like, you know, like something that you try to force on yourself. Mm. Fair shot, fair shot. Um, Avex, we've got a question here about 2v2 again. We seem to get it every week. Or every, it feels like we're doing this every week. There's been loads of these now. Um, would uh, Maestro like to see 2v2 back? Um, potential perfect pairing here between you two um one of you jump in what are your thoughts on tv2 go ahead Wenger. um well it would be really fun i had a lot of fun times playing tv2 i think it really makes you improve on other mechanics that you don't can't improve on duel of course because they are just different but it would be really fun to play with racy to be fair well we were talking about you with uh Hron, um about your experiences with base uh, in two v two, honestly, it's so it's such a like fantastic story that. Well, it's because like I think everybody loves two v two players like to play two v two. People like to watch two v two. So you know, I can't say anything. It's like, uh, well, I I love two v two too. Like everybody loves two v two. So. Are you willing to learn a new language for two v two? Me. <laughs> yeah, like like based learning English for for Venga. <laughs> well, uh, of course. Of course, I could even I could communicate in Russian. It's no yeah, problem. I could play true. with Polish guy. I can play in international like lineup. Can you play with strengths? Yeah. Good friend. No, his English is definitely good enough. You, you think so? <laughs> um, I haven't played with him, so I don't know. You I know, know you have. <laughs> there is also a pretty funny story with him and communicating in two v two. Do say, don't leave us in this mysterious. Let's, let's leave it for next podcast. Okay, <laughs> with too much content. I, yeah, sorry, Venger, I brought up that thing with bass and uh, what he was learning. How, what, what was it that you said? It's like it's not learning. He, he was the... learning how to count in English. Yeah, and I was he, trying to. He, he couldn't yeah. like he couldn't learn like what is twenty two, so he was saying two two. <laughs> was that was that true, Venger? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's fun at the end of the day? Like, what's a good experience? Like, I wanted to go quake on no matter what to gain some experience. So, I, oh, let's go for it. So you told me after you saw that interview that actually you were more interested in learning russian to start <laughs> that's crazy actually that's i just I, love that, the commitment that was my first stop actually but then i was like okay well <laughs> you, uh, the stuff of that is actually. crazy this is just so yeah. difficult already that's how do we make it more difficult 
Um, right, I'm going to cycle through. There's been so many questions, guys. So thanks so much for it. But we've been going for so long. So honestly, I'm only going to pick uh, probably a uh, a couple more um, out of the lot. Avic, have you spotted any? I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything. It's just. No, I, I didn't. I'm sorry, you are the main host, so I didn't put it. <laughs> you can't copy. If you wanna, if you wanna upgrade to co-host status, you need some support as around get, here. As soon as I get rid of you, I will, I will do this job. Okay, okay. <laughs> um. Right, I had, a, I had a bunch for we a second. We have a great host. Oh my god. <laughs> oh hell. Hmm. So I, I haven't read the question yet because it's quite a long one, but I'm going to go through it because I recognize Tebeg's name and I trust it to be a good question. It's to Razy. I think Avic once mentioned that because of Razy's low sense, he has some problems when he is chased. Usually the chasing one is in danger because his movement is predictable, but maybe with lower sense, it's harder to hit when running. Do you feel like that or... <laughs> Does that question make sense? I didn't read it before. It was pretty YOLO, but... Uh... So is he asking when I'm trying to be on the run? Yeah. And then turn around and do plus back damage. Yeah. Yeah, I often mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> Normally my movement is alright, but I but if I have to move with this slow sense fast away from my opponent, but meanwhile turn around and then deal damage, that's uh, that it it makes it difficult. I mess it up often. <laughs> That's brilliant, actually. Oh, you guys have started playing more crouch. No, crazy. Am I right in thinking you're playing crouch sliding champions without crouch sliding? Or am I thinking of someone else? I feel mm -hmm. like both of you have started changing your champion pool a bit more. I know, Venga, you've been playing more mm -hmm. crouch sliding champions. I, I play Strog very comfortably. Slash, not so much. Are you crouch sliding with Strog? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes? Not as well as other <laughs> people do. But I try my best. Fair enough. Because I gotta say, if, if you've got low sense, then with slash, it's surely crazy. Like, you know uh... what's like scale bearer? That's that's the <laughs> issue with my low sense scale bearer. Because whenever true. I play bull rush, other people do 180 turns with bull rush, and I'm like, I can't even turn 90 degrees to the right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's unreal. How, how have you found getting used to crouch sliding champions, uh, Venga? Uh, it's pretty fun. I think it really fits sometimes my playstyle. And at the end of the day, you need to have the better the biggest map like bigger map pool and champion pool ever so it's just a plus at the end of the day like being able to play every champion yeah yeah totally fair guys i think i'm gonna be ending things there now this has been a really sort of action-packed pretty much two hours now of content so um venger have you got any like last last things you want to say well, uh, thanks for to Team Endpoint, of course, for inviting uh, inviting us, and to Maestro for all the support, and to Quake for the beautiful game. Awesome, Razy. Thoughts? Sorry, yes. thoughts. That was like I'm asking you an interview question. What are your <laughs> final words? <laughs> um, I would also like to thank you guys for for this podcast. It was fun. Awesome, Avec, my co-host. Of course. Uh, thank you to our guests. I think uh, they are both fantastic players and, and great personas and interesting topics we, we, uh, we touched here. Um, make sure to, to follow us in social media, me, uh, Razy, uh, Wenger, even Zoot, if you, if you really <laughs> do. Make sure to give some Make sure, make sure to, big, uh, to give big love to both like uh, Team Endpoint and Maestro Gaming for like organizing it and, and for supporting us and supporting Quake and all the players in this team. Definitely. And thank you for hosting Zoot.
Oh, kind thanks, enough. man. The kind of <laughs> nice one. Um, yeah, thank you very much, uh, everyone. Thanks to uh, Razy, to Venga, to Avic. Thanks to Team Endpoint and Team Endpoint and to Maestro Gaming. Uh, this is it for this podcast. Do smash that like button or something, or like subscribe, like comment, like I don't know, donate your house, whatever it is. But hopefully, we'll be back soon with more podcasts. And let us know in the comments exactly who you'd like to see get interviewed. Take care, everyone.